Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with Eric Hammerling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Eric, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Pete. It's great to see you. It's good to see you too, my friend. It's been a while. It's been a while. Always. Yeah. I, <laughs> is it? Time goes by so fast, but it's always a pleasure to see you. It is. So what's what's been going on with the what's been going on with CFPA since last time we talked? Yeah, well, we just had our annual meeting, which is always a, a fun get together. And um, we got to showcase some of the great work that um, our education program has been doing with the uh, Wyndham Middle School, uh, mm-hmm. and which has really been focusing on, despite uh, the pandemic, finding ways to get kids outdoors and connected to all the positive health uh, benefits associated with um, being outside. Um, and that's been terrific. Um, and then we, we also were recently working on um, a report uh, on forests to the Governor's Council on Climate Change, uh, which talks all about uh, the different things that can be done with uh, how forests are managed to uh, both respond to the changes that we're seeing in, in our climate and to try to uh, do a better job in actually um, soaking up carbon and keeping it out of the atmosphere. Um, the more carbon that's held in trees, the less that's up in the atmosphere uh, creating problems. So uh, that, that's been a big effort. And I, I've been fortunate enough to be the chair of the forest uh, group that's been working on uh, for the Governor's Council on Climate Change. Very nice, very nice. And things are going, things are going well with, the, with that group so far? Yeah, it, uh, on November 6th, we just published uh, an updated report. We, we had a lot of public uh, input. Um, there are actually over 130 people who provided comments, which for this kind of process is a lot of engagement. Doesn't sound like a huge number, but it's a lot of engagement. Um, and I think there was a, just a lot of interest in um, the future of forests. So um, we're hoping that the Governor's Council will take the information and do some good things so that next year, uh, maybe we'll see some things in, in the budget related to uh, you know, planting and maintaining forests in urban areas uh, and many more things that we hope will be um, recommendations that'll be carried forward. Exactly, exactly. And since we're in the middle of a pandemic, what is CFP what has CFPA been up to? Yeah, we, we actually just heard from uh, the governor's office that, uh, you know, so just like uh, earlier this year, we had to change gears with uh, Trails Day and, yeah. uh, you know, make it a, a DIY, you know, a do-it-yourself type of yes. event rather than organized event. Uh, the governor just put out the word that uh, first day hikes, which are, you know, January 1st, um, will not be organized uh, it, because in the past, you know, on January 1st, there would be for any one event, you know, 50, 60, 70 people who would come out um, all at the same time to uh, enjoy different places around the state. And even though we, we will continue to let people know where are some great places to go, there won't be organized events so that um, people can be spaced out uh, over over time uh, rather than all show up at once and uh, potentially uh, have, you know, not the ability to social distance. And uh, a lot of people when they are uh, hiking outdoors don't necessarily um, expect to wear a mask for most of the time. So right. we'll encourage people to do that on their own and be safe. Um, 
but it was it, it's just another um way that we have been uh, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about how this year has been the year of lemonade uh we keep on getting <laughs> lemons and we keep on trying our best to be creative and make lemonade um and that you know fortunately uh, there have been a lot of people, uh, despite the pandemic, getting outdoors. Uh, there have actually been, it's been a record setting year in the okay. state parks. Um, you know, even though uh, there were lots of limitations on parking, for example, a lot of places like Hammonasset, you know, they would cut the parking uh, in half oh, yeah. um, to try to keep numbers reasonable. And despite having the parking uh, cut in half, there were actually more people, uh, like uh, almost um, an extra 30% more uh, people went to uh, Hammonasset this year versus last year. So pretty, oh, wow. pretty incredible pretty uh, that amazing. the pandemic, all the positive things that continue to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, what exactly is the Connecticut Forest and Park Association for my viewers and listeners that don't know? Yeah, so the Connecticut Forest and Park Association is actually the first, the oldest uh, nonprofit conservation organization that was established in Connecticut 125 years ago in 1895. Wow. And if you think about what Connecticut was like in 1895, there were no state parks, there were no state forests. There wasn't even yet a Yale School of Forestry um, or uh, an organized uh, you know, agency at the state level to take care of all the special places that we uh, enjoy today. And that was part of our mission at the time was to um, have make sure that people had a better understanding of the forest, uh, okay. which at the time was in not great shape uh, in 1895. Um, and one way that we encourage people to uh, connect with and start to value the forest was to, to start getting out into it through trails. Right. And since uh, 1929, um, our organization has worked with volunteers to maintain uh, now uh, almost 900 miles of blue blazed hiking trails uh, located all around the state in you know, 97 different towns. Um, and you know, with our small staff, we're able to work with a ton of volunteers and uh, really get a tremendous amount accomplished. Uh, but today, uh, we kind of build on that history to be a you know go-to organization for people who are interested in the outdoors, whether it's uh, education or uh, recreation uh, or uh, protection. We're actually a, a land trust as well. Uh, we, oh, really. We 2,000 acres of properties that we um, either maintain or uh, monitor. Um, and so, so yeah, there's a lot going on uh, for our, our little organization. <laughs> and, um, you know, fortunately, we have, uh, you know, members who care about us, a lot of volunteers who care about us, and um, a lot of people who see the value of the outdoors. So we, you know, keep keep working away to be uh, to respond to all all those needs, um, and try to be leaders. Absolutely. So going forward to twenty twenty one, what do you think it's going to look like for CFPA? I think twenty twenty one is going to be a, a challenge, though, uh, because you know, I, who knows what's going to happen with the economy and other things like that. Right. But if uh, 2020 is any sort of a, a guide, 
I think people will continue to be getting outdoors in record numbers um, to get all of the mental and physical benefits, um, health benefits that come with the outdoors. Um, and that's gonna mean that we're going to need to uh, keep those uh, trails open and well-maintained for people. Uh, we're gonna need to be uh, fighting at the legislature to make sure that um, you know important programs that fund state parks and forests don't get um, uh, raided or diverted to uh, other uses. Um, and because climate will continue to be, uh, you know, a, a big issue for everyone and the forests play such an important role in climate, we think that will, you know, continue to be an important thing that, uh, that we work on and, and are leaders on. So even though we, we think 2021 is going to be a rough year, uh, we think it's going to be a critically important year for people to stay engaged. Now, as far as the legislative session goes, up at the state capitol for 2021. What are you expecting to see? Uh, th that's a very good question. <laughs> Put it well with saying, what are you expecting to see? Because we probably will not be seeing legislators in person for the most right. part. Um, you know, I, we've been hearing that uh, when the session opens on January 6th, that certainly yeah. will be uh, closed um, yes. to the public. There will mm -hmm. be um, maybe some new thinking around remotely being able to participate, uh, to, you know, testify at public hearings and things like that. Um, but we think it's going to be very difficult to make sure that, um, Connecticut's long-term commitment to, uh, more open government, uh, mm -hmm. any other states will continue under these conditions. So, you know, we're going to be working as best we can, uh, you know, to advocate for the, the, those forest park trails, uh, outdoor recreation issues. Um, and we'll be getting hopefully a lot of help from volunteers and members and supporters um, who will contact their legislators and make sure that um, the outdoors always has a strong voice in Hartford. Absolutely, absolutely. So what, what is the mission statement for CFPA? So, uh, so our mission statement is to protect forest parks, uh, blue blazed hiking trails uh, for uh, future enjoyment by uh, Connecticut. And it's, it's really that simple. All of our programs are really uh, organized around making sure that people uh, understand some of the amazing outdoor resources that we have here and also have the tools to be able to connect to them. And hopefully the interest uh, and love for those resources um, that make them strong advocates to try to protect them. So that it's, it's as simple as that. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be able to continue, uh, you know, pull, pulling people in. Uh, we're always open to new members and new volunteers to help uh, further our mission. Um, and we're, we're really happy that uh, folks like you, Pete, uh, yeah. have been willing to, um, you know, take some time, dedicate some time as volunteers to Absolutely. really make sure that we're, we're doing what we need to do in, in the best possible way. Absolutely. And like, like, you, like you said, it's been a very interesting but challenging year. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, unfortunately, it's going to get more challenging before it gets uh, better. Um, yeah, you know, we, we, 
we say that uh, what, one of the best things that we can do as an organization, again, that's trying to make lemonade out of lemons is to mm -hmm. be optimistic uh, and to think about possibilities uh, more than we focus on obstacles. There are plenty of obstacles that you know everyone's aware of, but we do want to make sure that uh, people know there are still so many things that uh, can be done. You know, we, we encourage people uh, to find new ways to to get outdoors. Um, you know, especially as we're all hearing about the need to social distance and uh, you know mask up and all of those things. If you are going in a you know small family unit um, outdoors. And if you're going at to not the most popular places at the most popular times, mm -hmm. uh, you have a great opportunity to have a wonderful experience and you know get all the benefits that come from the right. outdoors. Absolutely. Um, we definitely found that um, you know there there have been a few studies about uh, you know when are people going outdoors. And if you look at uh, during the week, uh, over 50% of people who go outdoors on any given week are doing it between one and four in the afternoon on the weekend. Right. So if you think about it, uh, if you go at any other time, <laughs> either on yeah. the weekend or during the week, right. you're less apt to run into crowds, uh, you'll be safer and probably have a more enjoyable experience. Absolutely, absolutely, and you're you're ab you're absolutely right about that because I'm sure now that it's the middle of November, I'm sure the beaches have quieted down. Yeah, although th this is actually a pretty neat time, you know, if when you get that spare uh, warm day that pops in every now and then mm -hmm. to, go to the beach to get a little extra, uh, a little extra sun, uh, reinvigorate the battery. That's a it's a great time to do it and. You know the the um, those beaches and and other state parks continue to be open, thanks to programs like the Passport to the Parks, um, yep. which is something that we all contribute to uh, when we register our our motor vehicles. You know, right. it used to be just a few years ago that uh, one trip to Hammond Asset, um, you know, one car uh, to get in would cost you about thirteen dollars at the gate. Right. Um, and, you know, $13 may not seem like a lot of money to some, but it is a good amount of money to, to, to many others. Absolutely. And we've, we've found that, you know, the passport to the parks, uh, now that we all contribute to, it's basically $5 a year uh, mm -hmm. per vehicle that we all uh, pay. And that gets us in without ever having to pay at the gate again, if you're a Connecticut resident. So right. that, that has really um, ensured that there's some funding to protect um, these places and maintain them for the public right. and also uh, open up the possibilities uh, to anyone who might have been deterred before by a fee at the gate. So uh, more and more people have been using the state parks. In fact, uh, each year since the Passport to the Parks began uh, the beginning of 2018, uh, there's been at least a 10% increase in people who are getting outdoors to the park. So we think it's been very successful. Um, and now it's a matter of just uh, protecting it and keeping it going. Now, how did the idea for passports, pass, passports to the park come about? So I don't, I don't uh, there's a little pause there, Pete. There we go. How did the idea of the passports to the park program come about? 
So um, interestingly enough, uh, you know, Deep was, uh, and some of its staff were doing some thinking about, you know, what are other states doing as a way to support their parks in an ongoing way? Because um, at, at the time, a few years ago, when, you know, fees were being paid at uh, park gates, uh, the parks were also, uh, along with Rhode Island, the two uh, state park systems that were the most reliant on funding from the general fund. Okay. And we saw that every year the general fund was being cut back, which typically meant that programs like the state parks that were overly reliant on the general fund were getting mm -hmm. a deeper hit than uh, other parts of the budget. So we needed to find a model that was more sustainable um, there were uh, five or six different state park systems that were funded in some way, shape, or form by um, fees paid uh, through vehicle registration. And it seemed like since, uh, you know, all of the statistics showed that um, over 90% of people who are going to parks were going there by a car, um, it made sense to connect uh, that kind of a fee. It was not an easy thing to do. We we uh, lobbied hard uh, for the Passport to the Parks um, program for a couple years before it finally was approved at the end of uh, 2017 and went into effect in early 2018. Uh, but we think it's been really successful. And now it generates through uh, various mechanisms almost $20 million a year uh, to help support uh, parks and forests at, at the state level. Now, how closely does your organization work with DEEP? Uh, very closely. They, they are, uh, you know, wonderful partners in many, many ways. Uh, just to give you an example, sure. um, uh, the state every uh, 10 years, has to do an update of its uh, forest action plan, which is basically spelling out, here are all the things we wanna do in the forests of Connecticut for the next 10 years. Right. Well, uh, they reached out to us because we are such close partners and they said, hey, um, part of this uh, forest action plan is to get public input. You know, would you CFPA um, coordinate the public input sessions that are held around the state, get people to participate um, and uh, help to kind of sum up some of the learning from these public input sessions. So uh, we did that uh, this last year. Um, we had three great uh, sessions, uh, actually six sessions uh, around the state um, with a lot of input and that is showing in the forest action plan that's gonna be uh, published by the end of this year. Um, and we'll have one more session uh, where we kind of uh, show the public what the uh, recommendations are that are going to be in the forest action plan with one last opportunity for comment um, in early December. Um, and again, they, you know, they've looked to CFPA to help um, with that kind of effort. So we work very closely on those types of things. At times, we're on uh, different sides of issues, but for the mm -hmm. most part, uh, we found that the folks at uh, the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection really care about the outdoors, want to do a good job, don't always have the resources uh, to do it, and need some help from outdoor uh, enthusiasts um, 
and uh, and partners like like CFPA who come from a nonprofit uh, side. But you know, we know that when Deep is successful, um, we're all successful. And I'm sure with what's going on, I'm sure everybody from Deep is working remotely as well as you guys. Yep, uh, they're working remotely. I mean, the the folks who uh, can't work work remotely are those who are actually out maintaining parks and forests. You know, exactly. So they're they're not checking into offices anywhere, but they are actually on the front lines interfacing with the public. Um, and I would say that's a critical place for them to be. We, you know, and and I would just encourage anyone who is out um, you know, taking a walk at a state park or forest and you see someone from uh, deep who is there uh, maintaining the place, mm -hmm. say thank you for- Absolutely. Because you know, these are uh, folks who are on the front lines um, who have a lot of things to do to keep these places open and safe for all of us. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit about the Blue Blaze Trails. So uh, the Blue Blaze Trails are, are named the Blue Blaze Trails because uh, there is a blue blaze painted on trees. It's a little um, mark on the trees so that people yeah. uh, find their way through. There's actually a um, study done in uh, around 1927, 1928, where they painted a bunch of stumps with a bunch of different colors. And they, uh, I think, had a few beers uh, laid into the <laughs> Um, and they, they found that that blue blaze was the one that showed up longest and latest. So uh, that became the, um, the mark that went on trails all around the state to help people um, find their way safely. Um, and now, as I mentioned, the blue blaze hiking trail system is about, uh, you know, we, we typically say 825 miles, but it's closer to 900 miles um, of trails that go across uh, private land, municipal land, water company land, uh, state land, and is maintained by uh, volunteers and partners all around the state. So, um, you know, we always thank those landowners who um, are willing to have Blue Blaze hiking trails on their property. They deserve mm -hmm. a lot of credit. Um, and that's why we want to make sure they're well maintained so that uh, landowners always want to have people using those places um, and being safe. Excellent. We got a little bit more time left. What else do you want to tell people about CFPA? Um, I, I would just say that, um, you know, if you're looking for uh, some hope and positivity in this crazy, crazy world, um, mm -hmm. that that's what we always try to bring at CFPA. Um, you know, I, there are lots of ways to get involved as a uh, as a member, certainly if you want to support us financially as a volunteer, both. Uh, right. Uh, we have a lot of different projects that are always going on, um, and we are a volunteer-based organization. So if people want to get involved, um, I would say go to our website, which is uh, www.ctwoodlands.org, woodlands.org. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's a good way to find out about the various things that we do and find a way to plug in. And what kind of information can people find on the website? So they, they can find information about um, all of the various programs that we participate in uh, from our advocacy work to the land that we hold as a land trust uh, to if people are interested in a great interactive uh, trails map um, 
of all of the Blue Blazed hiking trails. They can find it at that website as well. And in fact, there's a new feature that was added this year uh, to that interactive trails map so that um, if you are looking at it on your phone, it will also yeah. show you on the map where you are. Um, oh, cool. so nice to, to help people to not get lost and to know uh, where are some great places to go. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Eric Hammerling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Thanks for some time and hopefully we'll see you again soon. I look forward to that, Pete. Thanks again. You got it. Thanks, Eric. On behalf of Eric Hammerling, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night and we'll see you next time.